Check out the weather anytime at Mighty990.com. Let's jump into it. Oh my goodness. Dylan's getting in some trouble. Great answer. And that last question, I th- does a guy pay for the first date, even though girls don't act like they do anymore? They want to be independents. They want to be co-equals. We got into the story. We're not going to do it again. But Dylan's future mother-in-law was listening to the segment and, and made sure she made it very clear to Dylan that the dude pays for the girl's meal on a first day. And I agree. And he agrees. He's like, did I did I answer that well, Ben? <laughs> yes, you did. I sounded like the bad guy. You sounded like Prince Charming. So great job on that, Dylan. And yes, you're right. Mrs. Dylan's mother-in-law, he always will take care of your sweet little girl. Mm. All right, let's move on to some harder news. Go to our phone lines. Andy Hoosier. He is a national radio talk show host. And host of the Voice of Reason. He joins us by phone this morning. Andy, what say you? I mean, listen, it's perplexing anymore because traditionally guys have paid for the dates, the first one anyhow. But anymore, girls don't want to act like it's the 1950s, but they expect the guy to act like it's the 1950s and follow those traditional gender norms. Yeah, yeah, they don't like when we offer it right off the bat, but they kind of want us to just backhanded. Or my wife on our first date, she actually made our dinner for the first date. So that was, you can either do it one way or the other. Either we pay for it if we go out, or they can make it. And that was pretty special, too. That was your first green flag, as the cool kids say, because she, she made you a meal. And anymore, that is patriarchal to enjoy a meal cooked by your wife. Um, and so I guess you knocked it out of the park and, and you're better for it. So <laughs> glad we That's got right. that squared away. Let's talk some politics. And we'll start with what's happening down at the southern border. The Supreme Court rolling in favor of the Biden administration over razor wire put up by Texans at the southern border. SCOTUS is saying that the federal government has the right to remove anything obstructing illegal immigrants from entering that our nation. The only question now, Andy, is whether Texas will defy the Supreme Court and will they stand with their people or with the federal government? Yeah, that's a great question. Look, that was mind-blowing to be able to see a Supreme Court decision like that. And what the Supreme Court's trying to do is go back to what the duties of the Constitution are, which the duties of the Constitution say the federal government should be handling foreign policy, immigration issues, so the federal government should be handling who's coming in and who's not coming in. So. From that logic, you're like, okay, you know what, state of Texas, you're not allowed to be putting up this barbed wire because that goes against your duties compared to what the federal government's supposed to be doing under a concept of federalism. The problem and the flaw with that argument is the fact that the federal government's not abiding by their end of the deal. So if they're not following through with their end of the deal in federalism, then the states are supposed to take up that role and do what they have to. And in, in, a, in a case of an invasion or whatever may be happening to their state that's affecting them, Personally, so I hope the state of Texas defies that law. I hope that they continue to put up that barbed wire and they continue to find, you know, put the buoys in the water or do whatever they have to do to try and stop that flow of migrants because yeah. the federal government's not doing what they're supposed to do. And that's problem number one. And I mean, the Biden administration has rolled out a nice template for Texas to follow. I mean, look at the Supreme Court. They rolled that the student loan forgiveness program of this administration was deemed unconstitutional. And what did Biden do? He snubbed it. So Texas needs to snub that decision and hold the line, Andy. 
Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, welcome to 2024. We're right. in absolute chaos right now. Where, and we knew that was going to happen. I, I said early on that strap in, buckle up, and watch, you know, pop the popcorn because this year is going to be a fun one to watch. And it's already starting off that way where if they can defy laws and do whatever they want to do through executive power, then why are the states not able to do that as well? Because constitutionally, theoretically, we're supposed to be sovereign states that have allowed the federal government to perform certain duties, and the federal government's failing miserably on what those duties are. All right, let's talk some Iowa. Uh, I'm stuck on Iowa. Iowa is over. New Hampshire is right here. And this is interesting because I looked at some polling before we jumped on. The Boston Globe, NBC, Suffolk University poll released, came out over the weekend. Well, Monday morning, they polled over the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, found that Trump is doing mighty fine in New Hampshire. Um, right now, looking at the polling, Trump received 57 over Nikki Haley, 38.2% of the support there. This is a state, though, Andy, that she has put a lot of her eggs in. And what happens if that basket breaks for Nikki Haley? Well, she says, according to an interview she did with Fox News yesterday, she said that she's going to stay in it for the long haul, which, you know, if that's what she wants to do, that's her prerogative, that's fine. And honestly, I like that to a degree, just to give the choice more for a psychological experiment within the Republican Party, but you're right, it's over. I mean, Donald Trump dominated the Iowa uh, caucuses. He's going to dominate the New Hampshire primary. He's way ahead in South Carolina, which is going to be the next one right around the corner. So we, we already have the assumption that Donald Trump will be the Republican nominee. But imagine this, Ben. I mean, this is a good position for Republicans to be in, isn't it? We, we, we are so unified, at least to such a degree, that we, for the most part, know who we want to have as our Republican nominee going into a general election so we can start sifting resources to that mindset to focus on Joe Biden and the Democrats as opposed to bickering and beating each other up amongst ourselves, which is what Republicans are really notorious for doing, is harming ourselves more so than focusing on the, uh, the enemy and the Democrats. So we're in a good position that allows the Trump administration, that allows the campaign to start focusing on widening their base to getting into communities that normally may not vote Republican, like the African-American community that's upset with the Biden administration, the Hispanic community that's upset about the border issues right now, the Jewish community that's upset about the Democrats not standing for Israel. There's so many demographics that are toppling from the Democrats right now that we have a major opportunity to win them over. Let's focus resources there and think of this as a general election now. And Nikki Haley can do what she wants to do by staying in the race and giving Republicans another alternative, which is fine. We're, we're the wicked, wild, free thinkers on the Republican side. We're not the top-down, unified voices like Democrats are. So if she then wants to do that, fine. But we, we, we're kind of in the assumption now that Donald Trump's got this in the bag. Yeah, I wanted to get your reaction to some audio from Nikki Haley. She says that she is not going to be Trump's VP. There are some people that say maybe that would be a good idea, pick up those moms in the suburbs some of the independent flank of the voting demographic. Take a listen to this in cut number four. We're on. Martha, I'm running to win this race. And as much as everybody wants to talk about what I'm going to do, at some point y'all are going to realize that I won this race and you're going to have to accept when I say I told you so. It is slow He wins the race. I've done this the entire time. We're going to finish it. I don't want anything else. I don't want anything else. I'm running to be president. I'm not going to pull out because somebody wants to be coronated. I'm not going to pull out because they think that I shouldn't be there. The political class has never thought I should be here. In South Carolina, in Congress, at the U.N., no one has ever thought I should be here. And that's exactly why I should be here, because I'm fighting for normal people. And I'll always do that. 
And she said in that video, she said the DC establishment thinks someone else should be coronated. Nikki, newsflash, you are the establishment or in the minds of a lot of voters that are Republicans. Yeah. Yeah, she is that mainstream establishment alternative from Donald Trump. And whether she recognizes it or not, she's got look, she's she's got to play the part on the campaign trail. So she's got to talk about the optimism. You've talked to a lot of candidates going into election season and they may be down sitting at five percent of the, the approval going into the polls. And they'll come on and say, oh, yeah, the campaign's great. Looking forward to winning tomorrow kind of thing. And that's where she's at in her mindset right now. She's got to stay positive. But the numbers don't show that. I don't see any poll right now in any individual state that show that she's actually leading over Donald Trump. So. She can be that great alternative, and we can use that as the psychological experiment to show maybe who to choose for the VP for Donald Trump to win those voters over, because we'll always have those never-Trumpers that no matter what, Donald Trump's the most evil person on the face of the earth. But there are some that say, we have to do something to keep Joe Biden out. How do we win them over that may be on the fence to support Donald Trump or not? And that's how we can use Nikki Haley. But uh, she, she's trying to stay as optimistic as she can, and it, it's looking a little silly because I don't see a single poll that she's actually beating Donald Trump. And you look at the endorsements that the former president is racking up. It's not looking good. I know at a rally yesterday, he had Tim Scott, I believe. Lindsey Graham was even out there. Vivek Ramaswamy. Here is Vivek leading chants at a Trump rally last night. Quite the dynamic duo, Trump and Vivek. Take a listen. If you want to seal the border, vote Trump. If you want to restore law and order in this country, vote Trump. If you want to defeat the deep state, vote Trump. If you want to fight inflation, vote Trump. If you want to revive national pride in this country, vote Trump. If you want to revive our national identity in this country, vote Trump. If you want to make America great again, vote Trump. That's how we're going to win this in a landslide in November, like Reagan delivered in 1980. So a lot of enthusiasm you heard in that room. I don't have a lot of time to play this audio, but I'll get your reaction. Trump was on Fox News. He has not announced, obviously, who his VP pick will be. He says it's going to be someone that won't shock a lot of people. Do you have any ideas who number two could be? Or the follow-up to that is who should he pick? Yeah, there's so many names that have been thrown out there from Vivek Ramaswamy, which I love Vivek. I was a big fan of his, but I don't know that uh, he really widens that base for Trump. Uh, I mean, he wanted to talk about a female before, so whether it is a Carrie Lake uh, or a Christy Nome or uh, maybe a Sarah Huckabee Sanders, I don't know who it's going to be right now. But uh, right now he is in that prime spot to find the perfect team for him to not only reinforce the MAGA movement with those that are already supporting Trump, but try to widen that base. I mean, look, whether we like or dislike Mike Pence before, he was kind of the, the yin and the yang to, to Donald Trump, so to speak, that, that I think helped him in the campaign back in 2016. And he's got to find somebody that I think does that as well, that complements him perfectly on the campaign trail going into the White House. All right, going to leave it there. Andy Hoosier, he's excellent. He is the host of the Voice of Reason show. You can find out more at HoosierReason.com, HoosierReason.com. Thank you for checking in, and we'll catch up soon. Always fun, Ben. Always appreciate it. All right. Appreciate it.